Computer, initialize Holosuite. everyone and welcome to episode number 34 of the sci-fi feminist podcast today to celebrate the debut and release of season four of star trek discovery i'm doing an episode um yeah on four of my favorite female characters from star trek discovery specifically um, at the moment in South Africa, we are having a very typical late afternoon thunderstorm. So where I'm recording at the moment, you might hear some thunder in the background. So please do not be alarmed, but um, yeah, rather enjoy the, the backtrack that nature has given us today. Um, before getting into today's episode, as usual, I would like to thank my supporters on Patreon. Thank you, Ashley Ariel, for your continued support of the podcast on Patreon. And if you would like to receive a shout out or other special perks, then, you know, go over to my Patreon page and have a look and um, see what rewards there are for signing up. All right, so before I start the episode, um, I think this is worth mentioning. Uh, there's currently some controversy in the Star Trek fandom because if you haven't found out already, um, I think most people have found out about this by now, but, um, three or, f yeah, two or three days before the release of season four of Star Trek Discovery, actually, it was pulled from Netflix. So the first three seasons that were on Netflix are totally gone and season four is not releasing on Netflix at all. It is releasing exclusively on Paramount Plus, which is only available in the US at this stage. So all international members of the fan base, including me, are not able to watch Star Trek Discovery season four at all until early next year. Now, I was quite, well, not quite, I was very sad about this news because I think Star Trek Discovery is one of my favorite tracks. And personally, I was also really awaiting the release of season four. And um, I know some of the Star Trek Discovery actors have also voiced their frustration on Twitter. So you can have a look at what they all said. Um, and then recently I signed a petition to get it back on Netflix. Now, I don't know if that's actually going to work. But um, if you are an international Star Trek fan or Star Trek Discovery fan specifically, and you are not able to watch Star Trek Discovery uh, Season 4, then it might be worth signing the petition to see if we can get it back on Netflix. Um, that's always how I used to watch Star Trek Discoveries on Netflix. So, yes, it's a bit of a bummer. It, it really sucks. And um, it makes me wonder at what point are they going to remove all the Star Trek from Netflix and make it all exclusive to Paramount+. Plus. Um, I saw quite a few memes about this whole, this whole story, and, um, a lot of the memes suggest that the Ferengi have taken over, uh, Paramount Plus and are in control of Paramount Plus because, you know, this really just seems like another way to get people to sign up for that, uh, streaming platform specifically. And 
I think streaming platforms, you know, this might be the future problem that we are going to experience with streaming platforms is that you're going to have to have subscription to like 10 streaming platforms just to be able to watch all the things from Disney, all the things from Paramount, all the things from Netflix. Um, I, I can see this happening in the future. So I hope that this isn't the dark future of uh, streaming, but yeah, I guess it is what it is. Um, so today I'm actually not going to be talking about episode one of Star Trek Discovery season, season four because I, I haven't watched it. And um, I was very excited to see Captain Burnham for the first time. But yeah, I guess uh, as an international fan, I'm going to have to wait. Okay, so all of that aside, let me get into today's episode then. So today, like I said, I'm going to discuss four of my favorite female characters in Star Trek Discovery. And um, Star Trek Discovery, I think one of its really positive aspects is that it really places the emphasis on female characters and them as the heroes, as the protagonists, as the leaders and the, the people that kind of push the events that happen in the narrative forward. Um, what I also love about Star Trek Discovery is that for the first time we see some openly queer characters. We see um, characters of color playing much more prominent roles. It is just a really um, lovely and diverse representation all over. And um, yes, like I said, it's it's one of my favorite tracks. I think Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Voyager are my two favorite Star Treks. So I'm really excited to be doing this episode today. Now, I know there are many really wonderful and great female characters on Discovery, um, but the four that I'm going to discuss today are Lorel, the Klingon, um, Admiral Katrina Cornwell, I've had a small crush <laughs> on, a girl crush on Admiral Cornwell um, since I first saw her. And um, the next one is, of course, Michael Burnham, who is now finally captain of the USS Discovery. And then the final one, one of my favorites, is, um, of course, Emperor Philippa Giorgio. I've already done two episodes on her, so you can go and listen to those if you like. Actually, the first episode of this entire podcast was about Emperor Philippa Giorgio. She's just a, such a fascinating character, and I really love her. And... Um, Yes, yeah, so today I'm going to talk a bit about each of them, what makes them an empowered female character, what type of versions of female empowerment do we see, what sorts of themes, what sorts of stereotypes, what sorts of notions of female empowerment do they embody and perpetuate. So yes, this is not going to be an overly academic discussion. Um, today I'm really just kind of paying tribute to these female characters to celebrate the release of a brand new season of Star Trek Discovery. All right, so first character, uh, Lorel. So some background on Lorel, just to recap. Um, yeah, actually, I, I think I watched Discovery two or three times now, the first three seasons, and um, Every time I rewatch it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember uh, 
I forgot Lorel played such an important role in Star Trek Discovery, but she really does play a very important role. So she sort of starts out as this very um, disempowered female character. We see that in the House of the Klingons, she's really treated as lesser by the male Klingons. And of course, the Klingon culture or Klingon society is quite a patriarchal type of society. Um, it's very masculine. It's got a lot to do with honor and vengeance and, well, maybe not vengeance, but honor and battle, you know. And um, yeah, there's a, quite a few uh, funny scenes in Voyager. Um, there's one scene where the doctor Neelix, um, okay, so it's this whole story. It's an, it's a holodeck episode. Um, I think it's in the killing game when, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm talking about Voyager now, but this is quite funny. Um, I think it's in the killing game. Uh, the Herogen take over Voyager and then they make the Voyager crew kind of fight each other in these um, holodeck simulations. So there's one simulation where Neelix ends up as a Klingon. So um, the Doctor, eventually Neelix realizes that it's a simulation and he's not actually a Klingon. And um, so he tries to get the attention of three other Klingons. So Neelix is like, uh, excuse me. Uh, can I have your attention? Uh, excuse me. And then the doctor, he tells Neelix, they're, they're Klingons, not kittens, <laughs> you know, so speak properly. So, um, and then Neelix is like, hey, you, and then start slapping them. And then they respond to him because that is kind of the Klingon culture. And what's quite interesting is that even though the Klingons have this really, um, Klingon culture, this patriarchal Klingon culture, um, we have seen quite a lot of powerful Klingon female characters. Uh, one of my favorite on Voyager, of course, is Balana Torres, half human, half Klingon. Um, she's chief engineer on Voyager, and she herself is quite a progressive and subversive female character. So getting back to Laurel, then, um, it is very interesting that in the beginning, we see that she's really uh, suppressed and oppressed by these Klingons. But through pure wit, through being smart, through being sincere, and through sincerely being a loyal Klingon and loyal to the Klingon race, she actually turns from this character that is treated so poorly by all of these really masculine male Klingons to becoming the leader of the Klingon race and the one that unites the Klingon houses. I found her character arc quite interesting and um, what she becomes in the end, um, like I said, is the, the Chancellor of the Klingons. Now, there's a very interesting event that takes place that I would like to place emphasis on um, in the discussion of Laurel. And that is in season two. So Laurel basically unifies the Klingon houses by threatening to destroy them. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it seems that the Klingons, the, the language that they understand is violence and she becomes the chancellor. And then in season two, Emperor Philippa Georgia rocks up and she's now working for section 31 and, um, there's been some conspiracy to get rid of Laurel as the head of the Klingon houses. And um, Emperor Philippa Giorgio tells her that, 
Okay, so maybe uh, I should give some background on this first. So in the process, uh, Laurel actually has a child and then the um, half-human, half-Klingon, that's a whole complicated story by itself. Uh, Ash Tyler is kind of like her lover. So uh, Emperor Giorgio tells her that for as long as you have your child and for as long as you have this lover, you know, this human... Klingon lover, um, and this is, I quote from Philippa Giorgio's words, she says that um, the the Klingon, the house leaders, need to wrap their tiny male brains around why you, a woman, is in the chancellor's seat and not any of them. So then what Lorel does is there's this whole conspiracy that she does with Emperor Giorgio, um, and section 31, of course, to keep her in, in the throne. She, um, pretends like she killed her baby. And then she also pretends like she killed Ash Tyler. So she basically gets rid of the two things that, um, make her be perceived as weak, which is her child and her lover. Now, this goes way back to second wave feminism, which saw these two things as the two very things that actually suppress and oppress women. Um, the second wave feminists argued that, well, some, some schools of second wave feminism, especially radical feminism, they argued that actually the answer is to you know, not, not get rid of men, but, um, not have romantic relationships with men. So that means either being alone or being a lesbian. Um, there's one author specifically, I always find it quite, uh, funny when I read that. She says that nuns and lesbians are <laughs> the ultimate empowered people or women because they have no relation to men. Okay, that is, of course, very extreme, and I don't subscribe to these types of arguments, but this is what the second wave feminists said. And, um, of course, the, the early liberal feminists, uh, they said that, you know, women shouldn't be so, um, yeah, women, they didn't say women shouldn't have children, but they said it's better for women not to have children because then they end up becoming housewives and then they becoming, end up becoming oppressed once again. So these are some very old notions of female empowerment that we see here. Uh, the idea that women shouldn't have men and women uh, shouldn't have children in order to be empowered. So then, and this is where the very interesting part comes, Laurel says, and I loved the speech that she gave. I, I kind of got goosebumps and I think I cried a bit every time. She says, um, I am no longer chancellor. I will now, uh, I now have a most, a more, a fiercer title. Okay. Sorry. I'm paraphrasing very badly, but she says, I am now something much fiercer and much, much more, um, powerful than chancellor. You can call me mother, like mother. And then, whoa. And then she kind of becomes this mother figure for all of the Klingons and this really, um, force of nature, this, this really powerful mother-like force of nature, this mother figure. And that's very interesting because actually some schools of feminism view motherhood as 
the thing that empowers women. Um, it's called cultural feminism. And that's very interestingly another part of second wave feminism. So, yes, that is it with Laurel. A uh, very interesting progression. And I think she becomes quite a significant and prominent and empowered female character, at least in terms of how second wave feminism saw female empowerment. All right, so moving on to the next character then is Admiral Katrina Cornwell. Now, I'm not sure what to say in terms of her empowerment, except for the fact that, you know, she's an admiral. <laughs> she's really cool. <laughs> she's badass. Um, she's really uh, just a lovely character. Um, one thing I think that is worth pointing out about her is that she is by trade, uh, before becoming kind of, you know, a Starfleet admiral in terms of the the Klingon Federation war, she is also uh, by trade, she's a psychologist. So there's actually some point, well, um, two, two parts that I can recall, actually more than two, where um, this idea of her as a psychologist keeps getting highlighted. So the one place is where um, Ash Tyler is, and she, they are in the Klingon prison, and he's starting to experience flashbacks and post-traumatic stress. And while she is basically incapacitated herself, um, she can barely move because her leg has been stabbed or something. Um, she talks to him and she, she really keeps calm. And I, I found that very interesting because we have this male character, Ash Tyler. And I think he, he himself is very interesting in terms of masculinity. He's not your typical masculine character. But he's the one that is experiencing a lot of emotions. And she, as a woman, she is actually the one that is rational and calm in the situation. And she really calmly talks him through it. And she provides a very rational approach to the problem that they're having. Now, of course, you know, there's a stereotype that women are emotional and men are rational. But I think with her... Um, yeah, we see clearly how she subverts the stereotype. There's another stereo, uh, another incident where she kind of counsels Hugh, um, the doctor. So again, another very complicated story, but Hugh basically dies and he comes back from the dead and then, you know, classic Star Trek. Um, and then he doesn't really know who he is or where he fits in. And especially, he struggles to navigate his relationship with Paul Stamets. And he's having quite an emotional time, <laughs> to be quite honest. Um, again, we see a male character who is, um, you know, struggling to, to comprehend and navigate his emotions. And then we see Admiral Cornwell, who provides a very rational, straightforward approach to solve his problem. So, um, and of course, then at the end, and I was quite sad about this, you know, she makes the ultimate sacrifice. She, she sacrifices herself to disarm the bomb that gets stuck in the hull of discovery. And, um, she's a big reason why, why they are saved. Um, yes. And she, she also acts as a mediator. Um, there's the scene where, was it Leyland and Captain Pike? They're, they keep trying to man up each other. And then she comes in and she's like, 
Stop this manlier than thou. This is her, she's, this is what she says. It's her quote. She says, stop this manlier than thou attitude. You know, put down your egos and let's just move forward and get this stuff done. You know, so she has a very straightforward approach to things, which I really love and which I think really subverts many of the stereotypes, um, about women. And of course, she's an admiral and she's one of the leaders in the Klingon Federation war. And, um, I like her because she's also like this constant voice of reason. Um, I know at some point she kind of loses it a bit. Um, and then Michael Burnham helps her write and says, you know, we can't bomb, <laughs> bomb Kronos, you know. Um, but, but she's like this constant voice of reason. Whenever she comes in, I feel like a bit more relaxed, like, oh, okay, you know, she's, she's gonna, um, give them some reasonable and logical way of getting out of this situation. So, yes, that's it with Admiral Katrina Cornwell. Um, yeah, a lovely character. And I actually hope to do a, a, a whole episode on her in the future. I really wish I could get the actress Jane Brooke on the podcast. Uh, if I can, that would be wonderful. Um, yeah, but anyway, that's it with Admiral Cornwell. All right, next up is Michael Burnham, the awesome Michael Burnham. Now, I've also done an entire episode on her and intersexuality. Uh, inter, no, intersectionality. What did I say? Intersexuality. Yeah, I get um, sometimes confused with these academic terms. Intersectionality. Okay. Um, so you can go listen to that episode. Um, it was done for the women at warp uh, podcast festival it was quite a fun episode so you can go listen to that one um but yeah i will just briefly touch on michael burnham today because i think she's so progressive and how long we've longed to see a character like her in star trek so first of all as you know she is the first black female protagonist in a star trek series she's also now the first black female captain in a Star Trek series, which I think is long overdue. And um, she really is just such a complex character. I think the thing about her that makes her the greatest is that she really does not fall into any sorts of stereotypes. She does not fall into stereotypes regarding women. She does not fall into stereotypes regarding uh, people of color. She is really just a human being. She's just a character that lives in the moment. And she's imbued with so many heroic qualities while also being complexly flawed. And um, I think this type of representation is really important to see because... We are so um, forced to always consume these stereotypes about people, but um, showing us a character like Michael Burnham at the forefront of um, a, a big series like Star Trek Discovery, I think it shows a lot of hope for the future in terms of representation, and um, I hope we can see more female characters like her in the future. Now, I think one very important thing about her that I'd like to point out is that she really, um, how can I say, she really, she's very flexible on the continuum of masculinity and femininity. So let me explain a little bit. Um, so Michael Burnham, we see on the one side, 
we see a character who is raised by Vulcans and raised very strictly by Vulcans. She's raised um, as a Vulcan. Uh, her her adoptive brother is Spock, <laughs> the famous Vulcan, the Vulcan <laughs> Spock, and her father is Sarek. And um, yeah, obviously her mother would be Amanda Grayson, a human. Um, she is on the one hand very rational. And she's also, on the one hand, quite masculine in terms of not only her looks, even her name, Michael, um, but also the fact that she can do combat. She's physically quite strong and competent. And she is raised as a really uh, rational person, someone who is trained to think rationally. Now, there is, of course, this dichotomy between masculinity and femininity, so where on masculinity side, we also have logic and reason. And then on femininity side, we have emotion. <laughs> and then on masculinity side, we will have physical strength. Um, on femininity side, we will have weakness. On masculinity side, we will have masculine names like Michael. <laughs> and on femininity side, um, feminine names like, um, I don't know, uh, Michelle. <laughs> so um, basically what Michael Burnham does is, you know, on the one hand, she is very masculine in terms of all of those things that are traditionally considered masculine. But then on the other hand, we also saw, see a character who is quite emotional. Um, I always thought like she's the most emotional Vulcan I've ever seen. Um, and I know a lot of fans have complained about the fact that she cries too much. And now I see some comments on the new episode uh, is that she smiles too much. So it seems like she can never get it right, you know, according to fans. Um, but um, I really don't think she cries too much. I think she responds in a very normal way to the things that she experiences. But anyway, um, yes, yeah, she's quite um, feminine in terms of her display of emotion. She's also very compassionate which is also a traditionally feminine stereotype. And um, in terms of her clothing, sometimes we see her, uh, most of the times we see her in her unisex Starfleet uniform, but she's not necessarily uh, tomboyish or boy-like. So I think that is why we have such a complex character because, um, and I think this is one of the things that contribute to it, is the fact that we have a character that very smoothly transitions between masculinity and femininity. And I think that is very empowering because that allows her to not fall into any negative stereotypes regarding these two things. Um, even though she's female, her name is Michael. I think that was just brilliant. Um Yes, so so that is it regarding Michael Burnham. Um, I did a whole one-hour episode on her in the past, so you can find that episode and listen to it. Um, she's really a fascinating and lovely character, and I'm so happy to finally see a black woman in the captain's seat. I wish I could watch Star Trek Discovery Season 4 so that I can know what she's going to be like as a captain, but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, that it is what it is. All right, final character then is Emperor Philippa Georgia. Now, like I said, I've also done many episodes about her, but I think one thing I would like to point out about her at this stage is also the emphasis on her as a mother. So 
And I think she also, like Michael Burnham, she is a character that is also very complex in terms of her representation. I think at times she falls into Asian stereotypes. Uh, we see that for some reason in the Murray universe, they eat with chopsticks. <laughs> I'm not sure if they eat with chopsticks in other Murray universe episodes and other Star Trek um, series, but... Um, Sometimes she tends to fall into a bit of Asian stereotypes, um, but many of the times she doesn't. Now, what makes her such a complex character is, first of all, that, you know, through a whole complicated story, we have the really evil Philippa, Captain Philippa Giorgio um, in the Mirror Universe. Her Mirror Universe counterpart is the very evil Emperor Philippa Giorgio. And she crosses over to the Mirror Universe. So already we see border crossing happening. We see her crossing actually a physical boundary between two, um, two universes. And then her character arc is quite ambiguous. And every time I rewatch Star Trek Discovery, I realize that deep down she is actually a good guy. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say good guy. She is a protagonist. She is actually um, a good character. She's not inherently evil. She's inherently good, but I think she's been shaped by the mirror universe and the violence it requires for her to survive there and to become emperor there. Um, so throughout, we see her kind of function on the margins. Um, she works for section 31 and you know, we're not really sure of where her position is or what her position is. And she's kind of mean to Michael, but she also does these very sweet gestures towards Michael. So we know she loves Michael, but she also doesn't. Um, yeah, she she's quite ambiguous for most of the time. But then, and I keep hammering on about the two-part episode Terra Firma because it's such a lovely episode and such a wonderful conclusion to her character arc. Now, I believe that the thing that provides Philippa Giorgio the ultimate redemption at the end is her as a mother. Similar to Laurel, um, not that Laurel really needed redemption, but Philippa Giorgio, uh, she's pretty evil, the emperor. Uh, many of the things she did was quite evil and mor morally questionable. But right at the end, we really see her true heart towards Michael. And we see that um, she really loves Michael as a mother figure. So here, through the emphasis on motherhood, which is something that is traditionally or maybe not traditionally, but especially by the second wave feminists considered as something that oppresses women, she is given redemption um, through motherhood and ultimately she is given a second chance by the guardian of forever because of her motherly love towards Michael Burnham. So why is that empowering? Well, I think it gives us a very uh, positive representation of motherhood and especially adoptive motherhood. So... Um, Biological motherhood versus adoptive motherhood. Adoptive motherhood has sometimes been kind of villainized. Um, we see this especially in Disney movies and things. You know, there's always the evil stepmother. Um, adoptive parents or especially adoptive mothers are usually in popular culture um, 
seen as bad um, or not favored as much as biological motherhood. But here we see um, her motherly, motherly relationship with Michael Burnham. This is actually the thing that saves her at the end of the day. The fact that she tried to save Michael Burnham's life and not kill her um, when she first had the chance. All right, so that's all I'm going to say about The Emperor today. Um, you can listen to the first episode of the podcast on her. And also, um, I can't remember which other episode it was. Uh, it's somewhere in there, another episode on The Emperor, where I especially talk about Terra Firma, how she goes from, and I, I quote from myself, uh, Space Hitler to Holy Mother. Um, that is the character arc we see um, with Emperor Philippa Georgia. All right, so this was my f my very small tribute to the women of Star Trek Discovery. I will certainly, once I am finally able to watch season four of Star Trek Discovery, definitely present my take on um, how is the first female, black female captain represented in Star Trek history. You will definitely find an episode on that. Hopefully it won't only be next year, but much earlier than that. All right, everyone, thank you once again for listening. Um, yeah, these days I don't do a movie recommendation, but I recently saw a movie that was quite good. It's a kung fu movie, as usual. Um, I watched 007, and that was terrible. Um, this kung fu movie was much better. It's called House of Flying Daggers. Um, I highly recommend it if you're into kung fu movies. Um Next, I'm going to watch all the Mad Max movies again. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see Tina Turner in um, Thunderdome. Uh, that is on my movie list for tonight. Um, anyway, everyone, thank you very much for listening and for tuning in. See everyone again next week for another episode of the Sci-Fi Feminist Podcast. Live long and prosper. This is the Sci-Fi Feminist signing off. Bye-bye. This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. I think we all thought Ransom was going to go into that fight scene, thinking that it was game over before it even started and he was going to lose. But I think the moment he rips his uniform off, <laughs> yeah. which is hard anyway to rip a shirt, but to rip an actual like jacket like that, mm. pretty impressive. And then he had like... About, I don't know, I think it was like 62 abs. He just looked ripped. And then he was just like, you know, a little bit of this. Yeah. A little bit of that. I was just going to say, it was the way that he also narrated it. It was just perfect. It was great. Ransom definitely went to the school of Kirk Fu. Ransom Fu, maybe we should be calling it. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Random Trek Review, a Star Trek review podcast. Yeah, the one you mentioned with Dr. Crusher is hilarious because it gets down to her and Captain Picard. And so it's like they have this giant galaxy class ship and there's just the two of them and he acts like it's a normal thing. And it's just absolutely ridiculous, right? Two people on that giant starship. And there's even the point where, where she says, computer, how many personnel would it take to run this ship? And they're like 832 or something. And Picard's like, oh, yeah, that is kind of weird, I guess. <laughs> I thought we were just doing it, the two of us, you know, like that was pretty funny. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.